All right, let's get into what we're doing tonight. Normally, we would open up the Word, and we would go verse by verse, and I would just explain it, and uh, we're still sort of doing that, but we're going to get really practical as to what we're doing, not just applicational, but practical in responding to God's Word. So um, go ahead and open to 2 Samuel for me tonight. 2 Samuel, we're going to be in chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23. And as you're turning there and you look at it, you might notice uh, the, the title right there above chapter 23 says, The Last Words of David. And so I've, I've aptly named this message Final Words. Final Words. I thought if we're going to end King David's series, we're going to spend time talking about the last thing that was on his mind before he died. Right? Final words, the last words that we say are really important. Um, they're terribly important. I want you to just put yourself in a place right now where um, you are going to leave. Let's, let's put ourselves in Rachel's just spot for a minute, right? She's taking off in a week and a half, and uh, you're going home before that, right? You're going to spend a little bit of time with your family. So I imagine before you leave, there are some things you're going to say to your mom and dad and to your siblings because you're not going to see them for eight weeks, and you never know if you're never going to see them again, Right? There are some things that you're going to want to say. There are some things you want to make sure you leave well. I mean, how many of you make sure before you leave on a trip, even before you hang up the phone sometimes, if you're talking to someone you care about, how many of you are the type of person that says, I love you at the end, right? Several of you. And why do you say it? Not only because you want to show up, because you want the things that you end a conversation with and things that you end a meaningful time with to be something that's worth remembering and something that shows really at the end of the day, no matter what the conversation contained, your relationship to them. Our final words matter to us, even more so when it comes to the end of our lives. You know, we have final words that we say in graduating classes. That's what speeches are for, right? Commencement speeches and graduation speeches and, and all those things. Like, we want final things to say to a group of people in a very huge, monumental time of our life. But when we get to the end of our lives, I've seen it time and time again as a pastor, there are things that people want to say. They either write them in their will, they either record a video. If they know that they're dying, they know um, they might have a couple weeks, they make phone calls, text messages, and the last time in their life is spent saying their final words. And usually what comes up are the things that were most important to them. The things that as they look upon their life, they reflected on and what they want people to remember. So the reason we're looking at David's life tonight and his final words is because we want to understand from him what he wanted people to remember about what God had done in his life. On top of that, I understand that many of you are in sort of this transition spot in your life, right? Some of you are graduating. Some of you are coming back from college. Some of you are going to start an internship. Some of you are just like getting ready for the summer, right? And all that entails with what you're doing for work. But this next week or two or three is usually a good spot of the year to transition into things. Palmer students, I know you're pretty much around. I get you, okay? I'm here for you as well. But overall, this is a good time to reflect on things. And not only do I want to look at God's word tonight, but I want to give you a chance to prepare your heart and mind for whatever the Lord has for you this summer. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through David's final words, just a verse or two at a time. We'll explain whatever we need to, talk about whatever we need to, and then I'm going to give you a couple minutes after each point to spend in prayer, focusing your heart and mind on that point, just you and the Lord, 
just reflecting, responding, and thinking about all that has come in your life so far and all that you think will come over the next two, three months as we enter into this summertime together, all right? So let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to read the full thing, and then I'll go back up to the top. So we're just in the first seven verses tonight. 2 Samuel 23. If you're wondering why this is David's last words, and yet there's more about King David, um, some of 2 Samuel isn't in chronological order. Some of it is actually just sort of interspersed based on um, themes of his life and where the writers were adding stuff. So, you know, this is his last words, and then all of a sudden we see him running from the Lord and repenting again. But trust me, this is the end of his life. Just this is where we're at. So chapter 23, starting right there in verse 1. Now these are the last words of David. The oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. If you remember, we were talking about the covenant. I told you this is one of the most important things in David's life. Here's here's the proof, right? He's talking about it at his end day. So anyway, back at the end of verse five there. For he will not, uh, for will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But worthless men are all like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of his spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. Man, those are some poetic last words. We're going to get into each one of them. But let's start with our first point that we see tonight. And this is found in verse 1. And this is really what I wanted to focus on. First point is, David was known by God's work in his life. If someone were to talk about David and his life, he was known by God's work in it. Look back at verse one there. This isn't David's words yet, right? This is the the descriptor of who David was when he gave his last words. And it says, the oracle of David, and then it it goes on, the son of Jesse. Now that's important because of a scripture that talks about a prophecy that um, the Messiah will come from the son of Jesse, right? Out of a root of Jesse will spring forth a son. Like, so that's important to note that actually that is a God thing. They don't even realize it yet in that moment, but that is a God thing. So he's called the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high. Now look at the tense there. It says that he was raised. It doesn't say he was the man on high. It doesn't say the man who made himself highly. It doesn't say the man who made himself king. It says a man who was raised as in it happened to him. Raised on high, meaning made king, brought to be the, the, the tip of Israel and, and, and all that represented Israel and all that Israel should do. And, and who did that? God did that. God raised him on high. We, we saw it time and time again in this, in this entire series, right? How did he become anointed? How did he become king? How did he have the covenant made with God? All God doing things in his life. He was raised on high. And then it says, the anointed of the God of Jacob. Well, we talked about not only him being raised on high, but him being chosen by God. Like David's life is defined by the fact that God chose him. And then the sweet psalmist of Israel. 
If you're new with us and you don't understand too much on, on who David is, he wrote most of the Psalms that you see in the, in the book of Psalms, just you know, a few pages over in your Bible. And what is a Psalm? A Psalm is a prayer or a song given to the Lord. Like David is known for his worship of the Lord. The sweet psalmist means someone who's, who's poured out praise to the Lord, right? He's known for this because his love for the Lord defined him as well, his focus on the Lord. So that's what David was known by, right? He was known by God's work in his life. And this is how I want to spend our first time of prayer. I want you to just meet the Lord over the next minute or two. And I want you to just pray, just you and the Lord, that he would work in your life in a way that people know him because of what he's doing. That he would work in your life in a way that when people look at you, they see God. Right? We've been singing this song in our church lately called Send Me. Right? If I know by how I, if I know by how I love, let it be how much I love you. That's the concept that we're praying through. So we're going to give you a chance to do that now. I'm going to have Colin just raise up a little bit of music. This is not spiritual. This is not like the Holy Spirit just coming and abiding in us through the music. This is simply to just help you focus and to give you some time in that way. So just take a minute or two and pray on that, and we'll continue. Father, what a beautiful time of life that many in this room find themselves, Lord, ready to be independent, ready to see their lives unfold before them, Lord. What a beautiful moment in time to commit themselves to be known by your work in their life. And I pray just for that. I pray that you would do that through this ministry, Lord. I pray that you would do it through the friendship and the fellowship found here. I pray that you would do it through your word and through your spirit like only you can, Father. Lord, would you be known in each and every single person's life in this room by what you've done and who you are and the testimony that they give. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So David was known by God's work in his life. But then we see, look at verse 2 with me again. David says, this is him speaking now, the Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. This one's pretty obvious, but point two is David spoke the words of God. 
Now, this is pretty cool for a few reasons. One, it means that David had some kind of understanding that some of the things he was saying, whether it was as a king, like giving proclamation, whether it was through his worship songs and psalms and prayers, at some point, David had an understanding that he was speaking the word of God when he spoke. Some of the things that he spoke, at least. Like, so that's cool. Because we acknowledge that. We see what David has written, we see what he's done, and we see it as the word of God. And I love that he had some kind of awareness that what he was doing in his life was God-ordained and God-sanctioned and was the will of God as he spoke in people's lives or as he worshiped the Lord. So that's pretty sweet. But what I also love about this is that he talks about the spirit of the Lord. Right? He talks about how the spirit of the Lord speaks through him. Many times in David's life, he relies on the spirit. He pleads in Psalm 51 after his adultery with Bathsheba and that whole thing that we covered just a couple weeks ago in Psalm 51, he says, Lord, take not your spirit from me. He treasured the fact that God was with him, blessing him, anointing him, walking alongside him. Now, the reason this point matters to us is that uh, you guys aren't going to be speaking new scripture into existence, right? You're not going to be opening your mouth and someone's going to be dictating it and all of a sudden there'll be like, you know, the first book of, well, there's already John. First, I keep on coming up with biblical names. You know, the, fir the first book of uh, Alex. Let's do that, right? There's not going to be the first book of Alex because he spoke some words and someone recorded it as scripture. That's not how our lives work. That's not the time in history we find ourselves. But it is just as true that we can speak the words of God. It is just true that we can know them and love them and cherish them and share them with one another. Like as David spoke the words of God, our prayer is that in all of our conversations, in our lives, in the, the things that we do, presentations, whatever it might be, the prayer that we're going to have in just a minute is that the Lord would speak through you that other people would come to know him because they hear the words that you're speaking and those words are from the word of God. And then as you learn and memorize and study and meditate on it, he would ingrain it in your heart. So let's take a minute now and just pray that over the next several weeks, several months, several years, the Lord would just develop your love for the word in a way that speaks it to others. Go ahead and do that. Father, I pray that you would grow us in your word. I pray that as C groups continue meeting at various times, as we continue to gather throughout the summer and come around your word, Lord, I pray that you would put it in our hearts. 
I pray that you would put a fervor in us to memorize your word, to know your word deeper, whether through study, through song, whatever it may be. Lord, I, I pray that you would give us a boldness to speak your word. Speak your word to those that might join us in this ministry over the summer. To new faces at the beginning of next school year. Or even to the same faces that we see week in and week out, whether it's at school or at our jobs. Lord, may we be a people that speak your words in many ways like David did. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Verse 3. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me. When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light. What's really great is that David goes from talking about how he is speaking God's words. He goes from talking about how he's speaking God's words to talking about how he has heard God's words. And that's our third point tonight, is David heard the words of God. You might be wondering why I went plural words of God instead of word of God. It's because I'm talking about the many things that the Lord said to him. Also this, but that's why, in case you're wondering. So David heard the words of of God. Look at that again. The God of Israel has spoken, and then he clearly articulates what the Lord has spoken to him. Like the things that God has told him, he's able to say them in a way that he can share them with other people. And so as we follow after David, because he's a type of Christ, remember we covered that in one of our messages? Like he's a type of Christ. As we follow after him, we follow after Christ in the way that they are similar. David heard the words of God, and that's our prayer too, is that we would hear the words of God. Not only through uh, preached messages and, and Bible studies um, and through opening the word in private study, but also through his spirit. As David talked about his spirit, right? That we would hear the words of God through his spirit. And I'm not just saying we should pray that you would know the Lord's will in your life. I'm not just saying that we should pray that you would do the right things and follow after Jesus. I'm saying that we would pray to where we could clearly articulate to other people, the things that God has spoken to us. That many of you could turn to your neighbor, like Rachel just said, and be like, I feel called to go to the nations, right? Like me standing up here telling you, the Lord called me to ministry. He called me to be a pastor. I clearly heard him speak to me to do that. And as many of the leaders here would tell you, the Lord spoke to them to become a leader and to follow after being involved in this ministry. I'm praying the same thing for you. And I want you to take a minute now and pray for that as well, that you would hear the word of God in a tangible way, in a way that you can articulate it to other people in a way that ingrains it into you. Take a minute and do that now. Lord, I pray you would use your word, you would use your spirit, you would use your people to speak to us in a way that 
allows us to clearly articulate what we've heard from you. I pray that you would call people specifically to the nations, that you would call people specifically to ministry or to certain career paths, that you would call people to certain decisions each and every day in their workplace. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that when someone joins us and comes up and talks to us, that we would be able to clearly show them that we know you, that we spend time with you, that we understand what you want for us, Lord. The only way we can do that is by being humble and relying upon you. Help us to do that. Help us to do that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So David heard the words of God, verse 3. Look at verse 3 again and into verse 4, right? It says, The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass sprout from the earth. And and here's the point that I want to follow, and I'll, I'll tell you why we're making this point. But the point is that David heeded the words of God. David heard the words of God, but David heeded the words of God. And what I mean by that is he's able right here in these verses to articulate what the Lord spoke to him, right? We've already covered that. But what we need to understand is, is all of the things that we just saw about King David over the last several weeks is him trying his best, at times failing, but overall desiring to do it, repentant and humble to do it. But it's him accomplishing this very thing. He's saying that the Lord told him that when one rules justly over men, I mean, David can apply that to him. Like God saying, David, when you rule justly over my people, when they rule in the fear of God, if you fear me as you rule as as king of Israel, then you will dawn like the morning light. You will dawn like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. Like you will be refreshing to my people. You will be encouraging to my people. You will be a light amongst others to show people who I am. Like that's what that poeticism is showing. And David did just that. I mentioned it last week, but we know who King David is, right? We, we have heard his name. Most of the world has heard of David and Goliath. Almost any American that you walk up to can probably give you some reference to what David and Goliath is. Like his name is known as someone who knew God. God told him this. He listened to it. He tried to rule justly as best as he could over his people. He tried to fear God as best as he could. And the Lord fulfilled what he said he was going to. All because David listened to God's word. He heeded it. And so we're going to take a moment to pray, not only that we would hear God's word, that we would speak God's word, but that we ourselves would be willing to do the hard things and submit to it. It would have been easy for David to cave in and to give in to the other religions around him. His own wife who came from a different religion, right, and criticized him for worshiping the Lord in front of the ark. Like, he could have given into that, but he didn't. He ruled justly. And our prayer is that you would listen to the Lord's word. You would follow after it and that you would be obedient. And I want you to take this moment, not just to pray that you would. I want to give you a chance to just repent for when you haven't. Just take a moment and apologize to the Lord and turn away from the things that you haven't been listening to. I want to encourage you to do that and say, Lord, from now on in this moment, I desire to follow after you and to listen to your word. Go ahead and take a minute.
If you're wondering how to repent, just say, Lord, forgive me for this. I don't want to do it. I give it over to you, Lord. Just turn it over to him. Show him your desire to follow after him. Father, we give all these things over to you, and we're going to need to do it again, Lord. We're going to need to continue to be humble and repentant the rest of our lives, Lord. But would you find us faithful to do just that? Would you find us faithful just as King David did when he was called out on his sin, that he acknowledged his sin before you, he repented of it, Lord. He was willing to pay the consequences, and he worshiped you all the same. And I pray that we would do that as well, Lord. When we have stumbled, Lord, Prevent us from falling, Lord. When we have stumbled, would you pick us back up and turn us around to, to head towards you and away from our sin, Lord? Would you make us more righteous and less sinful as we live the days of our lives, Lord, and as we heed your words and become obedient to it? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. We, we just have two more points tonight. The next one is that David remembered God's word. David remembered God's word. Now, uh, or God's promises, sorry. David remembered God's promises. You might be wondering, how is this different from the other ones? Because it's, it's all starting to sound a little bit similar, right? But let me, let me show you. Look at verse five with me. Verse five says, For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For he will not cause to prosper, or for will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? you remember the Davidic covenant, this is a promise that God made to David, that his throne would be established forever, that from him would come a son who would reign forever over all of God's people. And through him, all of God's people would find peace from their enemies. Like this is the promise that God made to David. And in this verse right here, that is David at the end of his life, remembering that this promise is going to happen. And the Lord has promised prosperity for his descendants through his son. And you have to put yourself in David's place, right? David was the first true blessed king of Israel. He was the first one to end well, right? The first king just, just died, right? Died very suddenly and, and lost his anointing like a couple years before that. So David is, is looking at this united kingdom. He's looking at um, all that the Lord has done. He's looking at the ark being in Jerusalem. He's looking on the fact that the temple is going to be built and, and all these things. He's looking at this, and you have to put yourself in his place. He's not going to get to see any of it. He's not going to get to know what his son was actually going to do. He has no certainty. Like, we have certainty because we're able to look back in history. He has no certainty what Solomon is going to do. But what he does have is the fact that God promised him what Solomon would do. God promised him what would come through his line. God promised him that his people would prosper. 
That's what he was resting in. At the end of his life, what he rested in was the promise that God made to him. And how blessed are we that God has made us promises too. That God says that if we are one of his sheep, we will not fall out of his hand. That God says for those who believe in Christ, he will give eternal life. That God promises that for those that know Christ, we would have life abundantly. The promise that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. The promise that in darkness, Christ is the light. And we, we could go over and over and over of all the promises we find in Scripture. But the point is this. In big times of David's life, and definitely right here at the end of his life, he remembered God's promises. And I want to just give you a moment, not just a prayer to remember them, but I want you to think about the promises either that I just said or the promises that you know you have seen in Scripture and just ask the Lord to remind you of them for a minute and how they apply to what you're going through in your life and what you're going to go through. And if you're, if you're at that point, like, I can't remember, I don't know, pray that God, through all these other things we've been praying, would show you his promises and that you would learn some of his promises. Just take a minute and do that now. Lord, I thank you for your promises, the ones that come to mind about how the grass will fade and wither, Lord, but your word will remain the same. It will outlast all things. Father, that's a word that we trust in. And I thank you that you've promised that it's not going to fail. It's not going to fade. Thank you for Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, Lord. I thank you that you promise peace in our lives when we direct our minds to you and come to you. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, Lord, that your grace is sufficient in our weakness. I thank you that that is a, a promise, Lord. That is a, a fact, a statement, that your grace is sufficient and our weakness. Thank you for these promises. Help us remember more. Help us to learn more promises, Lord, and rely on them and know them and treasure them the way that God, that David did at the end of his life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Here's the last one for the night, right? David remembered God's truth. David remembered God's truth. Look at verses six and seven. This is the one that takes a little bit of explanation, but worthless men 
are all like thorns that are thrown away. You might remember David's going over what the Lord has told him, and he had told him what it's like when you rule justly and you are God-fearing, and now he's talking about the opposite, right? And so in verse 6, worthless men are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. That is, I mean, it sounds pretty dramatic, right? At first, you're like, oh yeah, God's promises, God's word, this is beautiful. And you're like, oh, people consumed by fire. This feels like it comes a little bit out of nowhere. At least it does to me. And if, um, now I love the ESV. It is my favorite translation. I love deep studying it. But every so often, to me, it sounds a little bit like Yoda, okay? And this is one of those verses that sounds just a little bit like Yoda to me. Like, if, as I'm reading it, I'm like, I don't really know exactly what it means. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and a shaft of a spear. Um, and, and I'm like, I know it's talking about the thorns, like man that touches the thorns, but it says the worthless men are the thorns. So what does this mean, right? So this is your chance to like note, like this is the type of verse that you go to other trusted translations and see how they might word it because one of them might really stick out to you, right? So for me, it was the CSB. When I went over to it, it like added that one word. I'm like, oh yeah, duh, that's what it means. And essentially what David is saying is the exact same thing that he wrote in Psalm 1, right? He's contrasting like the blessed man and the one who's not blessed, right? The, the one who delights in the wicked, the one who delights in the law of the Lord, the one who delights in the wicked. Like he's contrasting these two. That's what we see here. And this second half, these worthless men, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about worthless men who are like thorns that are thrown away for they cannot be taken with a hand. So he's talking about how they're useless. That's the whole idea, right? You, you throw away thorns because you're not going to use them for anything. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and shafts of a spear. Essentially what it's saying is like the man who goes after those things is a man who is divisive, is a man who is at war, is a man who takes up the spear, right? Like that's how he lives his life is against God and, and trying to do the things that he shouldn't and, and worthless pursuits. Like that's the whole concept here. And the reason why I summarize it this way that David remembered God's truth is because at the end of his life, David didn't just remember promises. He didn't just remember um, God's word and it specifically and how God spoke to him. He remembered the way that the Lord made the world. He remembered the way that the Lord works in the world. And he remembered the way that God has blessed people who follow him and that those who do not follow him will lead to judgment and destruction, right? Like that's, that's what he remembers at the end of the day is this truth. So how does that apply to us? How are we going to spend this last moment in prayer? We're not going to spend a moment in prayer. I'm going to use this to just give you a charge, to give you a charge that as we end our time here tonight and look at whatever is coming for the summer, that you would remember God's truth, that when you look into the world, you wouldn't be tempted by it, that when you look into the world and all the might have for you, whether you're moving on to a career or um, traveling, like as you, as you go on vacation and, and you love being in this place, that you wouldn't be so tempted by it that you lose sight of what God has done in your life and lose sight of what he speaks into your life and lose sight of what really matters in life, and that is his son. So use this as a charge to remember God's truth as well, to be defined by it to where when you get to the point of King David at the end of his life, you recite the very things. You know who God is, you know what he's promised you, and you know 
how God has created the world and what it is. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a series in King David. Couldn't cover all of it, but Lord, I pray that it has just been as fruitful for uh, those in this ministry it has been as it has been for me. Bless our time together now as we move on to more fellowship. And I pray, Lord, for a great summer filled with amazing conversations, with hearing your word, knowing it, understanding it, and remembering it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.